Why, hello there. You are listening to the No Books Book Club. We have Cess, Beck and Ro, now that I'm staying away from people's full first names, <laughs> Rebecca. <laughs> Thank you, Rowena. <laughs> Welcome to the show. So this week we wanted to touch on... The Kindness of Strangers. We're going to have a look at a little bit of spooky cinema. We're going to watch some art and we're going to watch some groovy TV. Listen in. The No Books Book Club. So we love to talk about something that, I don't know, has piqued our interest during the week. And I came to you guys because I'd, I'd seen a tweet during the week and I, I just, it made me get goosebumps when I read it. And I thought, yeah, this is something that's really special and doesn't happen that often. So let's celebrate it. Um, I'll read you the tweet. It's by, it's from someone called Stephanie Del Zell. Now, I don't know Stephanie, but hello, Stephanie, if you're listening. Hello, Stephanie. Hi, Steph. <laughs> we're we're going to tweet this podcast Can we call her at Steph? you. Yeah, Do you think she's are. a Steph or a Stephanie? Oh, I don't know. We'll have to find out. Love the way you feel like you know people that are on Twitter. Like they, <laughs> oh, it's not Twitter anymore, anyway. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever it's called. Uh, this is what she said. Yesterday I parked by the lake in Canberra, flustered and with a screaming baby in the car. It was very windy when I opened the door slightly. The wind blew it forcefully into the car next to me and scratched it. The woman in that car got out, looked at my baby, then looked at me and said, it gets easier. When I started crying, she gave me a hug and told me not to worry about the scratch and to take care. Such a generous act of kindness. I pointed out the scratch on her car and she said, it's just a scratch, I don't care before giving me another hug, telling me it will all be okay, then hopping in her car and driving off with a wave. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. We need a little bit more of that in the world. You know, in a world where people carry illegal tasers in their glove box in case of a road rage incident, <laughs> that stuff's really great. Let's Isn't have it? more of it. Couple Absolutely. A couple of questions for Steph. What Do you think she had a shitty car? And it was already had heaps of scratches on it anyway. <gasps> <laughs> no, I think it's more about that thing of women being able to see another woman's situation and empathising with it. Yeah. Because I love that, like the, that kindness of strangers. I don't know about you guys, but I can think of like two or three times in my life where something has happened and everything was spinning out of control and just some random lady came in and said, how can I help? How about I do something right now? Mm. Um, Ro? Yeah. I've, I've definitely been helped out. I'm um, pretty inept in a lot of facets of life. <laughs> so, I doubt that very much. <laughs> so pe- people do flock to me <laughs> sometimes. But, yeah, absolute classic effort was, um, I don't know, about a year ago I went down the street uh, in a country town and I decided I needed to buy a wheelbarrow. So I bought said wheelbarrow like mm-hmm. two minutes before the shop shut, um, came out and then looked at my sedan, my small sedan vehicle and went, how am I going to drive this <laughs> back? This ain't going to work. And I was just, and I'm thinking, oh, no, the shop's just shut. <laughs> They'd locked the door behind me and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to push a wheelbarrow for half <laughs> an hour up a hill and then walk back and get my car and I was just about ready to cry. And this, you know, grizzled old farmer dude pulled up, gave me a bit of rope, helped me very illegally jerry-rig the, <laughs> you know, I this can see huge it. wheelbarrow to the car. <laughs> 
laughed at me the whole time going, I cannot believe you thought that was going to be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then gave me detailed instructions on how to not drive past the local police station. Oh. And, you know, and he's like, and if they see you, you've never seen me. You don't know what model car I have. You have no <laughs> idea that I even existed. I'm not the ringleader. <laughs> so here I am saying it was all women. No. No. You had a nice And it wasn't even farmer. creepy. It was really nice. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, that's nice. I had a situation when... My kids were little and my mother-in-law had Alzheimer's and we had, um, she was living in a care home and I'm laughing because it was just one of those situations where like, I need to be an octopus right now. We were at a park and my husband went to get coffee. So I had my mother-in-law, a toddler and a baby and I was trying to make sure no one wandered off and everybody was, you know, corralled (laughs) and the toddler ran off and, and and my mother in law kept getting up. And this woman walked over to me and she said, I'm just going to take that baby. And she took the baby and walked off. And I was like, okay, good. I didn't know this woman from a bar of soap. And I just handed over the baby, got the mother-in-law sorted out, made sure the toddler wasn't hitting anyone with sticks. And then she came back over and she said, you've got a lot on your plate and gave the baby back. Oh, bless. That's so beautiful. It's just, it's so nice that Mm. people are out there and they notice. Yeah, it's definitely Reinstills, yeah, <laughs> Is that yeah. A word? yeah, yeah. Hope in humanism, humanity, yeah. humanity. Yeah, yep. Bit because of, bit of human kindness. Yeah, mm. because we've see we see some pretty rotten people, especially on the roads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like letting someone in in front of me is a good a good deed. Oh yeah, I think so too. But I also think if they don't give you the little wave, thank you. Agreed. Oh You're yeah. dead to me. I'm yep. tailgating you as for as long as I possibly can. Absolutely. Possibly with my high beams. <laughs> And do you do the passive-aggressive wave at them when they don't wave? Like oh, if yeah. they're coming the other way? Oh, I do the finger. Oh. <laughs> I'm a very aggressive driver. Okay, so we're into the kindness of strangers, but not necessarily on the roads. They have limits. Mm. I'm happy to hold, hold your baby if we're at the eyebrow threading joint and it's time for you to, you know, pull the skin <laughs> tight and you need both your hands for the threading lady. But... Cut me off in traffic. Don't don't give me the wave when we're doing the zipper manoeuvre and you're dead meat on a hook, buddy. <laughs> All right, first cab off the rank today is Ro with your thing of the week. You've taken yourself off for a chock top, I see. And before we get any further, we just want to say thank you to everyone who's listened. A little bit clunky, but that's okay. We're finding our feet still. You know, as long as you want to be part of a book club that's not necessarily about books, you are all welcome here. Absolutely. <laughs> and also don't forget, we've got a little email address. Then ah. It's nobooksbookclub at gmail.com. So if there is something really cool you think one of us should suss out mm-hmm. and talk about on our little podcast, email us. We check the emails. <laughs> well, well, I check the emails. You do, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ro, what did you see? Oh, I went to see A Haunting in Venice, which is the new Agatha Christie movie. Mm-hmm. It uh, it was great. I, I really also wanted to shout out such a great experience I had. I went to the classic cinema in Elstonwick, which is a really delightful old cinema. I, you know, walked past all the big movie posters, um, bought the chock top, bought the popcorn, bought the glass of wine, went in, and it was like, felt fancy already. Mm-hmm. And then you go see this movie, which is... Oh, 
It's lush. It's set in, in Venice, obviously, um, which is a city I've never been to. But it's so lush and it's so beautiful. So I just felt like a really stylish bitch. Um, <laughs> it's it's very much a, a Kenneth Branagh vehicle as well. He directed it, produced it, and is the star, Hercule Poirot. I'm probably butchering that. Um, but essentially it's based on Agatha Christie's 1969 novel Halloween Party. And it's basically, it's all set in Halloween. They're in a mansion, they're in Venice, and shit goes sideways. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't want to spoil things, but, um, you know, Agatha is always a very everything-can-be-resolved kind of a, a writer, it's not quite like that this time oh, around. It modernised. It's modernised and it is genuinely spooky. There are weird ghosty things happening, all sorts of really cool stuff, and there's an absolute cast of epic people. One of the things I found weirdly jarring is one of the lead characters, Rowena Drake, um, who's played by um, Kelly Riley, who's Beth Dutton in Yellowstone. So in Yellowstone she's uh, an absolute yes. head kicker. Yeah. And in this she's um, a slightly helpless little bit traumatised, you know, old school movie star kind of thing. But I've got a really rare name and I don't Hardly anyone calls me oh, Rowena, yeah. and so it was very weird hearing the name getting echoed around the cinema a little bit. So that was weird <laughs> as hell. You're like, I really am part of this movie. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool, but I think the the direction of the movie was gorgeous and it was really clever. Um, you know, Branner really knows what he's doing in terms of setting up shots and lighting things and his transitions and things from scene to scene are really, really clever to the point that I'm going, oh, that was clever. I enjoyed watching that. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> I love it when you're watching not the story but the craft sometimes and you catch yes. yourself. The auteurship of the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I love about a film. Really, really clever stuff, so it made me very happy. And one of the things I found really fascinating, Venice being a city I've never been to but I've wanted to, you do get the sense of the beauty mm. and you get um, a sense of the sort of the scale and the age of it, but you also get a sense of the spooky. It is wet all the time, so it is mouldy, you know, and it is cracked and dark and gloomy and that kind of stuff. So it does show all facets of, you know, this very ancient city, which is quite interesting to look at. Yeah. It's not a tourist postcard no. at all. Oh, good trip to the cinema. Mm, it was yeah. a great trip to the cinema. So I'm like, I'm, I'm very glad I went. I'd give it four and a half chop tops. Oh, very Oof, good. That's uh, going to cost you. Mm. <laughs> what, four <laughs> and a half chop tops? What's a chop top going for these days? Like easily oh, 10 bucks, right? Depends. Pro- Probably. The cinema you go to, I think. Mm, true. You know what, though? It's it's a good moment to sort of think about you have streaming services and you do get fairly new movies mm, mm. and probably more so than even when you used to go and get a DVD or a VHS mm. from the, the video shop. It's quicker than that, yeah. Yeah, mm. but it's not the same. I mean, you don't sit no. there on your phone when you're in the cinema, you're actually still that whole concept of being in a dark room, you're there, you've paid your money, you're, you know, it's not just a direct debit like your Stan subscription. Yeah, that's <laughs> You know, right. you're committed to being there and enjoying the whole thing. You see every detail it's on the really screen. It's really different. 5.1 is a lot better than HD Oh, 2.0. <laughs> it's not even stereo, I wouldn't even think. And so. some decent surround sound. <laughs> exactly. Not to mention the glass of wine. <laughs> oh, Heaven. Actually, solo trip to the movies, who goes by themselves? Oh, um, I was going to say, yeah, it is I, a great indulgence. I do mm. quite a bit, actually. Mm. I would go more by myself than with other people, mainly because then 
I can do my own thing. Mm. Um, I also often find when I go with someone, I kind of like need Worry to talk that they're not a little bit. I kind of need it. to talk to them. Are you okay? Are you liking it? I'm, you know, a bit of a people pleaser in any mm. kind of thing in life. So I feel like I need to be like, wow, what do you think of that? How good was that? When I need to just learn to shut up and just let them watch. Do the you movie. want some popcorn? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no more smoke club. Now, Rebecca. Yes, Rowena. Yes, we want to talk about scandals. <laughs> How big can scandals get? Well, I'm going to get a bit highbrow. Are we okay with a bit of highbrow um, we'll content on this up. podcast? <laughs> well, we all things, but can't say, you know, if we look a bit glazed when you look at us and we don't really understand, well, then you speaking, know that we're struggling. Speaking of glazed, good art pun because this is an art. That is dreadful. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> Speaking of glaze, mm. <laughs> like a donut, like a ham. Now you're making it a food thing. <laughs> it's not a food thing. Carry mm. on. It's an art thing. Are you trying to frame me? No, that's terrible. Oh okay. God, oh. this is bad. Okay. Um, <laughs> I do. You guys like a bit of art crime? I love personally. Best crime. I like love a, true a bit of art crime. crime. Kind well, of. Well, I guess. I guess it is true yeah, crime. Doesn't yeah. have to. It doesn't have to be murders. No. It's just about, you know, um, art forgery oh, or fraud yeah, or scandal. Yeah. Um, what about when the Picasso was stolen from the NGV? Yes, that's, that's a great wild. story. Yes. The, mm, they the found it in a, um, a locker. So that was a um, pol- uh, bit of a political statement, I think, yeah. at the time as well from memory. So, yeah, if you, I love I love art crime. Like, there's this show, <laughs> Fake or Fortune, which is not really art crime, but it's about art and trying to figure out if artworks are genuine or not. And I just, I just love it. It's so, so fun. So I've just finished watching on iView a two-part doco called The Brett Whiteley Arts, or The Whiteley Art Scandal, rather. It's about famous artist Brett Whiteley. Mm-hmm. This doco is about an art dealer who purchased this massive, famous, allegedly, Brett White artwork called Orange Lavender Bay from another art dealer for $1.1 million in uh, around about 2009. And at the time, he was sort of advised not to purchase it by the other art dealer because he had a funny feeling about it. He's like, it just doesn't feel right. doesn't feel genuine. I'm not sure about it. He had found out that it had been sold to him from this other art dealer who had been known to make forgeries in the past as well and quite famously had like a civil case with Charles Blackman, another famous Australian artist, mm. against a, f- a forged artwork. So it was already a bit like, oh, not sure about it. But this art dealer's like, no, I just love Brett Wiley. I want to buy this painting. You know, I'm getting it. Turns out that it was a fake mm. that they believe. Ba-bow. And the whole documentary sort of talks about how Basically what happens is this art dealer was taken to court with this art collector in 2016 because these artworks that he'd sold had been questioned whether or not they were genuine. This guy was already a notorious art dealer who'd been known to make fakes. So the whole documentary is basically based on this book that this woman wrote who went to all the court proceedings and then they made this documentary about it. So... It's about how this artwork was seen to be fake, but then there was these questions as to maybe whether Brett Whiteley had actually painted it in the 80s when he was sort of 
in a quite a drug-filled state. Yeah, not at his best. Not at his best, exactly. And his partner, Wendy Whiteley, had also said, oh, she didn't really believe that it was his artwork either. But then again, she wasn't around during that time, so she wasn't sure either. And he'd been known to sell a lot of big artworks out of his garage as well, just for extra money, for drug money. Like, the providence of where it had come from seemed a bit shaky. Super interesting. (laughs) Then they uncover these photos from this... A man working as like a studio assistant, if you like, in a art studio in Collingwood. And this studio belonged to the original guy who had sold this painting to this other dealer who then moved it on to the other the other art dealer. So there's a lot of art dealers in this story. That's why it gets very complicated because there's a lot of men and a lot of dealing going on. <laughs> and he had been told while he was working in this studio that there was another room and not to go in that room, it had a locked door, etc. One day he finds it's open. And he goes in there and takes these photos because what looks like is in there is these giant Brett Whiteley fakes being made, sort of like half-painted pictures. And one of those pictures was the one that this guy had purchased. (gasps) So then they're sort of like, oh, we've got hard evidence now that this artwork was a fake that's been copied. But then there was all this stuff that maybe they were real. So the whole documentary kind of delves into how within our society and with our what sort of is believable and what not and sort of ruining the reputation of what's sold from artists and sort of questioning their integrity and all those sort of things. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. There's a lot of characters in it. <laughs> There's a lot of different stories going on. It's quite complicated and messy, but it's a really interesting watch as well. And do they get to a result? Not really, no. The two, oh. um, the two men who had initially sold the artwork and said that they'd had it from a collection back in the day, and one of these men was the one where they found the artwork mm. being painted in his studio, they got acquitted in the end. So they sort of got charged and were going to go to jail. This is about 2016 for fraud. And then it turned out that one of the lawyers hadn't challenged like the defendant in the case. So then they... Oh, so it was a technicality. So like, yeah, and it got thrown out and they were acquitted. So the man who has been, who is known to be like the art forger and who had forged those Charles Blackman paintings in the past and the Sidney Nolan and stuff, he actually speaks throughout the whole doco and he's just sort of this quite narcissistic, slimy man who was an artist himself but obviously has a bit in for the art world and how someone else can be really famous and he wasn't. So there's a bit of that element as well, like wow. what makes Brett Whiteley so famous? Why can't my artworks be so famous? So, No, I was going to say that. That's the wonderful and weird thing about art, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That someone can be an artist their whole life mm-hmm. and their art be worth $15 at the local market mm-hmm. or... Yeah. You know, Sotheby's someone says like it's worth two million dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. so difficult to kind of gauge yeah. how that can be creative measured. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And this woman who's an expert who speaks on the program, she talks about how they say about ten percent of the art out there in the world they believe in galleries and hanging on walls it would not probably be the genuine work of what it says it is because there's so many forges out there. That is huge. 10%. 10%, wow. she reckons. Yeah. Truth is stranger than fiction, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Anyway, that was a very messy and complicated... <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds story. Good. So if you're going, what is that? So iView, <laughs> easy. No one has to pay for that subscription. not nah, the Whiteley Art Scandal. Mm-hmm. Two-part series and... Um, 
yeah, have a watch and I'm going to go home. It's and really good watch it tonight. I'm yeah. so into too. that because oh. yeah. it's made really well as well. Yeah, well, yeah. the Picasso Weeping Woman thing was mm. like really seminal. You know, mm. in, in my mind, you know, I think I was in maybe year nine or something like that when that happened, and was front page of the Herald Sun for days on end, and then it showed up in a railway locker. Yeah, yeah. and Brilliant. that's another one that you, you sort of even when you've lived through it and heard the headlines every day, it's like, what was even like, oh how goodness. could you steal something like that? Exactly. And I think that was part mm. of the point they were making, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, there is a really great documentary about that too. Have you seen that I one? Ha- I've heard about it, but I haven't seen yeah. it yet. Yeah, I think that was on SBS. That on oh, that list. Mark mm. Fennell did, mm. I think. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot out there. There's a brilliant one on Prime. Uh, it's about a very famous German art forger and his name is Wolfgang. It's worth saying just because yeah. his name's Wolfgang. I know. Really? Wolfgang Beltracchi. It's called The Art of Forgery. Mm. And he's a very well-known, famous mm. man who forged thousands of paintings and they rested him in his like fancy home in France, I think, with his wife and there's great footage of them being hurled out of there. And his dad had sort of taught him when he was a kid how to oh, copy paintings. They used to buy stuff from the art from the markets and anyway, art crime, I love it. The New Books Book Club. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Cecilia. <laughs> That's really it's a thing there. It's funny that you were saying before, though, that no one's called Rowena. No one is called Cecilia. So That's Rowena. a good point, yeah. So the, the, I reckon I can tell you two or three times in my whole life that I've been in a room with another person called Cecilia. Doesn't happen often. Doesn't, so it's kind of weird. It's super weird, and then your ears prick up. Like, you know, yeah. my, my cousin, one of my cousins, Rowan. Um, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we. It's really bad at family gatherings because someone will go row and both of us will be like little meerkats. Like, yeah. 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 Girl one or boy one? Which one do you want? Relentless. Mm, I just think of Rowena Wallace from Sons and Daughters. Everyone does. She was hot, wasn't she? I think so. Yeah, I feel like she was. <laughs> cool as. Oh, anyway, hey, my turn. It is your turn. I have actually been reading lots of books lately, but we're not here to talk about books. But one day maybe we should do a No Books Book Club just book books. pod. Yeah. Like a Christmas edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Christmas edition. Well, it's special. hard because this, at the moment, I'm reading an audio book and. This doesn't make sense. What do you mean? Reading an audio book? No, I'm the narrator. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For other people to listen to. You're voicing. Sess is a voiceover artist when she's not making audiobook. silly podcasts right. with her friends. <laughs> so I'm narrating an audio book and then I have another one. So I'm reading that one before I narrate that one. And then oh. I just finished a novel where I'd met the author and I just had to read that novel quickly because I'd met the author. So I've had, I think I had like four novels on the go at once oh, last amazing. week. It's just a lot. But anyway, I have found some time to... Yeah, novel (laughs) slot. Come on, pick one, lady. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not talking about books, though. I wanted to talk about a series called Landscapers. It's on Stan. Have you seen it? No, but I've heard about it and I really want to see it, so I can't wait to hear. Well, it's interesting because I don't have my finger on the pulse of very much at all. And I'm going to say that's because I'm a mum and I'm going to own the mum tag because I just don't have time to be cool and that's fine because I have friends like you guys and you keep me good. Um, but You're very cool. Uh, <laughs> I beg a differ, as my son would say. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Yeah, so landscapers, I just, I don't know, I think 
I had like one afternoon and I was like, I'm just going to find something to watch. Flicked around, found the preview for Landscapers, had never heard of it, but it had Olivia Coleman in it and I just Amazing. I just love her, um, especially in The Crown. I thought she was amazing and I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And again, true crime. Okay, yep. so this is a show based on an actual crime and it's got Olivia Coleman, as I said, and David Thewellis, I think that's how yes. you say his name. Um, so he, yeah, he's been in tons of things. He's one of those English Welsh, actors. isn't he? I think he's Welsh. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. I've clearly done my research. I wasn't interested <laughs> in him. I was like, yeah, he's just that okay, guy who's in all the things. Tell about the great show. So... It's about this couple who were convicted of murdering her parents uh, and burying them in the backyard of the of the parents' house uh, in the nineties, right? Dark, dark, and they are in jail now, um, and but they have claimed their innocence the whole time. So she and her husband a very good hiding spot. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, backyard. You just get the cadaver dogs out there, and you know. I know. This, like you're you're all home by five. <laughs> and it is just so obvious. It's not you know. Oh, we we hid it under the garage in the country estate and put a ton yeah. of concrete on top. Yeah. It's like the oh, flowers. We're, we're put a bit them out too by busy. the cabbages. Yeah, we'll stick it under the wisteria. Yeah, like your well, tomatoes are going really well this year. It's funny you say that though, because part of the storyline is that the crime was only discovered when they owned up to it. So basically, this happened. The story that they give in their defence is that it was self-defence that she murdered one of her parents and the other one was murdered by the other parent. I don't want to give too much away. They buried them in the backyard, so they owned up to the burying and a self-defence. And then they went on the run, right? So then they're on the run, they're in France, and they basically ran out of money, so they handed themselves Sorry, in. they ran to France? That's yeah, not even far. Run. You just get the train to just run away to Wales. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the extradition from Wales to England. It's probably <laughs> a bit easier to get you than if you're in France. I escaped to Scotland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that works. So, I mean, there was there's lots of kind of plot holes in the way they've executed this crime. Like, and when you sort of put the pieces of the crime itself together throughout this show, you sort of go, gosh, of course, like, of course they were guilty. But but they've claimed they're innocent. So there's all that that goes on. And that nobody noticed that the parents were missing, which I actually thought was kind of sad. <laughs> so they weren't, even, they weren't even reported as missing. They, the neighbours just thought they'd gone abroad or something. I'm gone like, to France. Yeah. <laughs> I love bad crime. I know. Like, bad how, how poorly can you execute your shows chosen crime? It don't need to be a mastermind. It's mm. this simple. But they would have got away with it if they hadn't handed themselves in. So this oh, is the thing, right? Dumbasses. However, okay, so the reason I wanted to bring it, though, apart from the story, which, you know, the true crime thing where you say it's truth is stranger than fiction because you look at it and you're like, oh, okay. The <laughs> way it is put together and produced is brilliant. Now, the, the writer and director is Will Sharp and... I'm really bad at knowing who does what and who was in what before, but thankfully we have a thing called the internet and that helps you. And what I thought, did, oh, I'll just up? look him up. Mm. He was Ethan in White Lotus in the last oh. season of White Lotus. He was Interesting. The, yeah, Actually Eurasian my guy. my favourite character, but anyway. Well, brilliant mm. uh, filmmaker yeah, as it amazing. turns out because the way 
it's put together landscapers is to the main character Susan played by Olivia Coleman is like a real romantic when it comes to westerns movies so a lot of it is filmed in a way that she's like living in a western cool I love that so there's all these kind of like filmic references and parts where they'll just shift from reality into like a western and they're dressed in western clothes and it's like a fantasy Rico Maricone soundtrack (laughs) (laughs) yeah almost (laughs) and then there's this whole other part where they have the police involved and then the police are like walking them through what happened with the crime And that's like breaking the fourth wall sort of because they walk in and out of sets and you see camera crew and the whole thing. So the actual way it's put together is really clever and really interesting. And it was obviously filmed during COVID because there's like people with masks on and everything as well, like behind the scenes, but then they're in front of the camera. So it was just this kind of rollicking beautiful way of telling this story. And you know with like true crime things, you might sort of know the story but often it's not until the end that you, it all comes together. Mm. Well, this starts off with the end. Mm. So they've kind of... The, it's He's just upended, like, all the box of yeah. film tricks, chucked him in and just pulled him out and gone, oh, we'll, we'll do this one first and da-da-da-da. And it is just brilliant. I just I see, loved it. I really see that where they break the third wall. What's the saying? Fourth wall, I think. Fourth where wall. they break the fourth is it wall. The fo- I, I think that's what it is. At, or break the format even at the end of the show and they show the crew and show that it's a show. Yeah. Mm. I re- feel like maybe that's kind of linking um, to the couple that murdered the parents and how um, and her love of Westerns and maybe it was a bit of a, um, like, a show for them, if you like, or a bit yes. of a game yeah. in a way that they played for a bit of fun. I mean, it, mm. well, not fun, but, like, it shows kind of the, um, the fic- not fictitious, but... Well, I think they lived in a fantasy land. Is that yeah, what yeah, exactly. And I think and that's showing... kind of show that, that yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. really grounded in reality. They've got this kind of fantasy world where, you know, everything is fine. Mm-hmm. And they've moved on with their life, but they're living in this kind of maybe twilight wanted, zone, sort of. Maybe the burying the backyard was deliberate and was like, let's see how long we can get away with this. And if we get to a certain amount of years and they still don't figure it out, well, then maybe we go. You need to it watch was us. it because mm. all of this is apparent in the story. Oh, that's so cool! <laughs> because I mean, it could have just been as simple as, oh, we're expected down at the fish and chipper in an hour. Oh, let's just <laughs> chuck them in the backyard. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, very. That's a very good point. Under a layer of blood been... and bone, and off we go. No. No, no, no. It's it. <laughs> we should be laughing about dead people. Got, but. No, no, you just got caught up in the burying you in the backyard bit, and that's actually just a tiny bit of the whole story. So it's really kind of funny. I'm very easily amused. But that's good. But there, but it's really well done too because there's a whole lot of that stuff of like, is she, did she do it? Is she deluded? Is she innocent? Like she's saying she's like, so you just don't really know. Mm. And then the other really great thing about the way it's put together is they use actual footage at the end of each episode, Mm. actual news footage of the time and the actual crime and, you know, the way it was portrayed in the media and stuff. Yeah, I like that too. Quite clever. Mm. So Defo... Put that on your list. Yeah, I've tried to write it on my hand, but my pen's not working. So I'll, I'm <laughs> well, just listen back to the podcast. Land. Land. Read out the title again, just for Beck. Landscapers, <laughs> and you'll find it on Stan. Marvelous. <laughs> We're going to do it. We're going to delve into the moan zone. Beck. <laughs> so good. What do you want to grizzle Let's moan. About? Let's do it. Oh, well, I'm. this is a moan that 
everyone is moaning about at the moment. I'm not mm. alone here. This is not an alone moan. <laughs> <laughs> no. This is a mutual moan. The moan zone is society. a very encompassing place where everyone is welcome. And mm. this one, you're mm. right. Rentals. Mm. The rental market is absolutely cooked at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's expensive. Mm. It's gone worse than ever. So there's this guy I found on Instagram. He's been around for a while, actually, and his name's um, Jordi Vandenberg, and he has this Instagram page, and it's basically called Shit Rentals of Melbourne. <laughs> and he's had it for nearly about a year and a half now, and he does these monotonous, kind of badly edited videos where people write in to him or message him and say, I've just, I live in this house in Glen Iris and this is broken, this is broken, it's mouldy, real estate won't fix anything. And he really highlights how just completely fucked up the Mm. rental market is in this city and what people are putting up with and living with and how it's not okay. It's quite funny and he, he... basically makes the tone of the whole thing a bit fun and a bit playful. But it is quite a serious topic as well because it is like everywhere and every video you watch. I was watching my lunch the other day and I can't even watch it eating my lunch because it's just (laughs) um, a room that's just covered in black mould or, you know, rain coming into someone's bedroom and people are doing nothing about it and it's just awful. Yeah, (laughs) I I don't unfortunately think it's just Melbourne. I think I think no. he's branched out a bit, actually. Mm. He has. He's branched yeah. out to other cities. But the thing I don't understand about this is obviously a lot of landlords that couldn't give a rats. Yeah. Mm. They couldn't give a rats about their tenants and they couldn't give a rats about their property, which mm. I just find weird. But, like, the whole – one of the problems is the Airbnb or stays, you know, holiday market, which has been established yep. because people want to make more money by doing short stays. But the the thinking of that, if you have a property, surely it's better to have a good tenant for a long time and guaranteed income and no parties and no, like all of those things that that are your risk. But people put all this effort into making their short-term rentals look amazing and all that. And I know it's about getting responses and, Mm. um, you know, good reviews, Long term, you want good reviews too, surely. Yeah, like, what is the right. moral thinking around it? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. Um, yeah, I, it, you're doing yourself a disadvantage by not fixing houses. It's it really kind of put, you know it brings out that whole class society and elitism yeah. almost that we live in that. I own this property so mm. I'm better than you, and you're just renting <laughs> off me because you can't afford to buy your own house. Kind of. I'm laughing because the only difference is that they got a deposit and mm. they didn't. Mm. And that's exactly. the only difference. Yeah. Or they inherited. Yeah. Or they inherited. And, and, and exactly. They yeah. 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 exactly. Yeah, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, Beck, because I've been in my rental property for about 13 or 14 years now. Wow. And wow. I've, I reported about eight or nine years ago when these massive cracks just opened up one day in the walls, massive, and across like four rooms. And they were like, yeah, nah, we're not going to worry about it. And, you know, they literally don't fix anything. I had one of my kitchen cupboards launch off the wall, <laughs> land on me and oh smashed, my God. smashed oh my everything God. in it. I had broken glass from one end of the kitchen to the other. Did Are get okay? cut, did get injured. Um, they're not going to even hang it back on the wall. But long story short, because they've refused to even investigate the cause of the cracks, now turns out that they've done about a quarter of a million dollars worth of structural <gasps> damage because it's allowed water to leak into mm. the walls, 
the boards, the frames, mm. the stumps, and the whole house is rotted. So what, yes, it probably would have been an expensive but one-off fix mm. that yeah. it'll probably end up being mm. made to be mm. demolished and mm. it's just... Come on, guys, fix it. So I guess, yeah, what's really cool about shit rentals of Melbourne, you can find Geordie under purple pingers on just about all of the different... <laughs> social channels is um, he's launched a website where uh, tenants can now report real estate agents and properties and all that that is doing, it's a really good thing um, because landlords have always had the ability to log via RP data and blacklist tenants yeah. and say, oh, they had a big party, they dropped the floorboard, set it on fire, which on the one hand you go, yes, that, that makes sense. I don't want someone coming in and burning my house to the ground. But there's never been any recourse mm. for tenants to sort of do the same. And it is as much as anything, buyer beware, just don't move into this place with a known mould problem Good luck. So, yeah, um, yeah Geordie's on a mission. He's he's a pretty cool dude. I met he's him a couple of weeks ago feathers. and um, he is absolutely prepared to have fights with talkback callers, yeah. um, which I love very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting you, your radio um, hat on there. Mm. Have we all lived in a shit rental? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've lived in a lot of rentals over the years and I don't mean to generalise, but I feel like the handyman that rocks up, is always just a guy that looks like your uncle's mate who actually works at the pub and he's just doing a bit of cashy job on the side and rocks up in his car, you know. With the box and nails. A week after you've had a block toilet for a week, you know, a week later. Mm. So, Well, I think they've actually brought in rules around that, that you that the landlord can't just do things themselves, like it has mm, to actually okay. be professional a service. professional yeah. service. Don't know if it, that's being controlled though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly it. Um, and then, of course, you know, the real estate agents are up in arms because they don't want to have their names associated with these things. But Oh, that's just that's, overdue. Oh, that is so mm, overdue, it's mm, not funny. Absolutely. Mm. You know, but one of the other things that's really great about Purple Pinger's website mm is that if you do find yourself in a position where you're a first home buyer, you can go on there and have a look at all the info that's been put on about the property mm, without you brilliant. having to go and get a building mm. Um, mm. inspection or what have you. You know it's Keep got doing. bats and ghosts in it. <laughs> <laughs> and mould. Oh. Keep doing great work, Geordie. Yeah, oh, we look. love you, Geordie. Great moaning. Great <laughs> moaning today. You know what? That's the end of our episode. Oh, happy listening, punters. <laughs> Thank you, Sis. Thank, Thank you, Rowena. And don't forget to send us an email if you've got something really cool that you want us to check out. Uh, NoBooksBookClub at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, review. Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> tell your friends. All right, we'll see you next time. See you then. Woo!